What's up, everybody? Welcome to Show Me the Meaning, Wisecracks Movie Podcast. Show me the meaning! My name is Jared, and I'm joined here with the Show Me the Meaning crew. We got Greg. What's up, what's up? And Alec. Hey. And joining us again is Claire. What's up, Claire? Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Happy to have you. So today we're talking about the 2018 documentary Behind the Curve, directed by Daniel J. Clark. Yes, this is the Flat Earther documentary. So as always, we're going to go around and get general thoughts about the documentary. By the way, I should mention that previously, Claire, Greg, and I had done the Firefest documentary. We got a lot of positive feedback about doing documentaries in general. So we are doing a second try with the Flat Earth documentary. So I want to hear not only what did you think about the documentary, but how far down the, the how far down the rabbit hole have you gone with flat earth theory? Let's start with Greg. Well, I think as the biggest flat earther here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love flat earther stuff, man. Uh, I dig it. I love when people just are like, "Fuck what everybody else thinks." I'm going deep into it. Uh, I watch all conspiracy theory type of stuff on YouTube. Flat Earth conspiracy, like the big tree, you know, where they have you heard of the big no, tree I conspiracy have not, theory? I have one? not gone down the rabbit hole very far, so please. Oh, and yeah, like, yeah, alien yeah, conspiracy this? theory. Uh, they have one thing where they like old volcanoes or like tree stumps, and they're saying that the trees that we really have in the world are not really even trees. They're like grass compared to the trees that we used to have. That we used to. Oh used shit! To have, I've like, heard this. Where? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's like another conspiracy theory that's on YouTube. Alien conspiracy theory, government, you know, Ooh, Greg, uh, have you heard the Avril Lavigne is actually dead? That's my favorite one. Oh, no. That's great... <laughs> that sounds good, though. I can see that. I mean, you know, I just like that people... I, I, I don't like people just believing stuff because the government or anybody else tells them to believe things, right? So, I mean, I might see myself as conspiracy theory, conspiracy theories myself, but I, I appreciate people having something that they tr they truly feel so strongly about and can create a group about it and just deal with, I mean, these flat earthers have their own flat earther rap music. When I saw that, that shit really <laughs> made me laugh so much. Um, I dug the movie. Um, it made me happy. Uh, that a guy as like corny as Mark uh, can have a group of people that look up to him like that. It may, it's like, look at this dude. You know, this dude like is a loser. It's like the epitome of a loser, right? And he has so many people that like deal with him. And he wouldn't have this if he didn't have that. The flat earth crew and this beautiful girl that I'm like, Mark, come on, man, you're never gonna do better than this. It's like, <laughs> like, like duh. put a ring on her right now. Um, I, I dug the movie and um yeah I like I like flat earthers they're, they're they seem fun to me. So you watch flat earth videos for fun? I watch I watch all yes yes <laughs> the okay. answer is yes. How yeah. has it ever almost convinced you? No, because I mean I I'm at this point in my life that I don't really believe I don't believe the Earth is flat. I also don't believe the Earth is round. Oh come on, you don't oh, believe the Earth no, is round? No, no. Nonsense, guys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. I've never been to space. Right? All right. All right. All right. You know what? You know what? My whole mantra when entering this discussion is that I really hate it when people say, like, I just don't understand how people can believe blank. Yeah. Because to me, if you're saying that, really, I guess what you're saying is that you don't want to understand it or that they refuse to try. So I kind of want to go into this with instead of saying, I don't understand how people could believe the earth is flat, 
I want to try to understand. And and one of the challenges is like, how do I say that without seeming disparaging or or seeming like I'm looking down upon flat earthers? And I, I I've kind of come to the conclusion that it's an impossible conundrum. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> All right, let's move on with Alec. Alec, what'd you think of the documentary and how far down the rabbit hole have you gone? I loved it. Um, I, as you know, Jared, but maybe nobody else knows, I'm writing a script about just flat earth in general and the philosophy of science for Wisecrack, obviously. And it's hard to write because I'll have an idea in my head like, oh, this here's an experiment that disproves flat earth. Or then all of a sudden I'll come in my head. It's like, wait, what do flat earthers think about like solar eclipses? And then I'll Google it and there's some batshit explanation and lunar eclipses and i'm like wait but what about this and just every time i start writing a sentence the thought but what about this pops in my head and there is some counter explanation by flat earthers uh that i spend way too much time reading and there's like also competing interpretations of what causes solar eclipses or lunar eclipses or how so you never know if you're reading like the right source of like flat earth material if you're just going for the shitty version of the argument so uh i've wasted too much of my time doing this and i love the documentary so that's about it okay claire what about you <laughs> So I, uh, I I have spent maybe the last couple years um, being semi-invested in the flat earth conspiracy theory. Uh, I'm not actually as much anymore. So watching this documentary was kind of like taking a trip back to 2017 for me when I was part of a lot of flat earth Facebook groups um, and uh, much more invested in it then. Um, I never watched a lot of YouTube videos, mostly because it would just like fuck up my algorithm. Um, And then, you know, I'm getting like ads for anti-vaxxer videos and etc. But I did read, uh, I was part of a lot of Facebook groups and, you know, I read a lot of posts on there. Um, and I guess not right now, but having been previously very familiar with, uh, flat earth ideas, it it was really interesting seeing the video. A lot of it I was familiar with, um, like the idea of doing the laser experiments and, um, the real push against scientism, uh, and, and some of it was new and some of it, uh, I was surprised that they didn't go into more, um, for, for a lot of people in the flat earth community, for example, they put a big emphasis on the biblical basis. There's a, uh, they mentioned this briefly in the documentary, but there's, a. somewhere in the Bible, there is a piece of scripture that talks about the firmament. Genesis. It's in Genesis. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I looked this up today under one of my long rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you had a today rabbit hole. I'm like trying to like dredge back a lot of this old memory. Um, and I was surprised that the only person who I can recall in the documentary who, who actually talked about that. And it was dismissed pretty quickly was sunglasses guy in the beginning who was my favorite by the way the one who went up to the woman in the car and was like yo have you heard of flat earth also they want to inject us with public schools um, the guy with sledgehammers and ping pong yeah. balls yeah <laughs> the one who was a brain coach that guy right, yeah that the guy. brain coach um so i i don't know if right now is the time i would love to tell the story of how i got introduced to flat earth but I, I actually wanted to hear a little bit about that because I asked you to be on this podcast not knowing at all that you had interest in this subject. So this is kind of super surprising. <laughs> well, so you, you got you got to give us something. Oh, oh yeah. Well, okay. So I I have a few things. I, I'll tell you how I got introduced to it, and then at some point, um, I want to talk about this philosopher who I really like called Brian Keeley, who works mostly on conspiracy theories and the way he talks about uh, conspiracy theories as a kind of epistemology and what it reveals about 
the way that people see the world. And I think that that has a lot of explanatory power in terms of understanding, oh, how can somebody believe that? And so I would really like to talk about that at some point. But for right now, let me tell you the story of how I learned about the Flat Earth. Um, Please. So I live in Eugene, Oregon, and we have an airport, but it's tiny. So for big flights or if you want to take anything other than United and Delta, you drive up to PDX, the Portland airport. And there's a shuttle um, that you can take that runs every hour or so that will pick you up on the University of Oregon campus and take you up to PDX. And I've taken that shuttle dozens of times. So I was taking that shuttle up to PDX in... I don't know, 2017 probably. And um, it was me and a bunch of like really quiet international students who were not talking and a very, very talkative um, driver who started almost right away talking about how the earth is flat. And this was a a new idea for me. And I'm an inquisitive person. So I started asking questions and more questions and more questions. And it's a two hour drive from Eugene to the Portland airport. And I felt so bad for the rest of the students in the car. Um, But it was me and this this flat earth driver going back and forth. And, you know, he was telling me all of the different justifications for it. But what was much more interesting was hearing about his personal life. He Mm. told me just, you know, some random person in the van he was driving that his wife was in the process of divorcing him because he was a flat earther um that his children didn't talk to him uh that he would spend probably an average of five hours on the internet every single day when he got off his shift looking just at flat earth theories watching youtube videos reading forum posts and that it had really kind of taken over his life um but that it was worth it to know the truth and so i i learned you know a bit about some of the justifications for it but also about what it had done to this man's personal life. And uh, in the documentary, they present it as being kind of positive and happy, but but they do also show the impact it can have on personal relationships. And um, when I was talking to this driver, I did not hear a happy man. This this conspiracy theory that he truly believed with all his heart was not a fun pastime, and, and it seemed like it had kind of ruined his life. So that was my introduction to it. Um, obviously, as soon as I got to Portland Airport, I just started frantically Googling. Because um, you wanted to ruin your life. Well, yeah, hold on. You were frantically Googling because, hey, this guy may have convinced me or like what, no. what, what was what was it exactly? Because he wasn't very good at explaining things, uh, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But he um, from what I remember, he, he told me, OK, well, you know, there are people who are familiar with the science who have shown that the curvature of, of a flight path that an airplane takes um, doesn't go over this or this area and it can't because of the ice wall and, you know, this and this other thing uh, in the solar system can be shown to be part of a dome. He was a dome believer. And, uh, but he wasn't doing a good job describing it, but he made it clear that there were, you know, more convincing explanations online. And he kept telling me, just Google it, just Google it. I'm not doing a good job explaining. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I think this is a ridiculous idea, but it's also a very interesting idea. And that's what catches people about Flat Earth, right? That's why we all we all kind of love it is because it's really interesting, the idea that a thing that was ostensibly disproven during the Enlightenment now has millions of followers again. That's a really interesting idea um, because something like, you know, 9-11 truthers, 
it's you know there's like a certain appeal to any conspiracy theory but it doesn't take back an old pre-enlightenment idea and make it fresh again um and i think that's something that's kind of really interesting about about flat earth so i'll wrap up my little story but yeah no i'm i'm super glad that we have you on here because i had no idea and uh yeah i can't wait to hear more about what you dug up during your time exploring the subculture i like the documentary a lot i'm actually glad to hear that you have some actual life experience dealing with flat earthers because a lot of the it's funny a lot of the documentary plays into what i would assume is going on here is that these people really need a sense of community they really need a sense of identity and they've seemingly glommed onto this thing that speaks to our state of wanting to be constantly disillusioned that we are in today you know i think alec and i'll talk about how we're all just addicted to the red pill it's you know everyone wants to be disillusioned from something everyone wants to hear that something has always been a lie or something like that because they get this sense of gratification from feeling like they've unveiled the truth and that there was uh nothing but lies but now they know reality yeah go ahead alec yeah i just want to butt in because some of the research that uh i'm actually one of our interns helped pull this up psychologists have studied conspiracy theorists in general not just flat earthers and we've kind of talked about this idea But I guess one of the well-argued psychological positions is that there are two things that correlate strongly to conspiracy uh, theories. One is a feeling, the feeling powerless, like the uh, inability to affect change in the world. And the second one is feeling like socially isolated. Uh, And there's a lot of different articles that talk about, uh, for instance, how sometimes people can glom around uh, conspiracy theories around sort of uh, a social identity. So I, I don't even think it's necessarily new, like Internet age. Obviously, it's taken on its own form. But even if you think about conspiracy theories about in Nazi Germany um, during the 1930s, you have this sort of social identity component. And that's not the only way the social identity pops up. But another article is arguing it gives people a sense of cognitive closure. It makes sense of a world that is uh, otherwise seemingly chaotic. And again, just that powerlessness. And it kind of it gives closure to that. Interesting. Yeah, so I quite like the documentary. Um, in terms of going down the rabbit hole, I have not really. I've seen a Flat Earth video. There's a YouTube channel. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a guy who has conversations. He has, like, hour-long conversations. One of his videos was called An Hour-Long Conversation with a Flat Earther, and I watched maybe, like, 20 minutes of that, and I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. There was one video I watched that kind of just made me depressed because the video was not very well reasoned just you know if you know about just in terms of structuring an argument the guy would he would basically just use a lot of quotes that these famous scholars or academics have said which are basically encouraging people to question everything and just kind of slotting that in without any actual relevancy to the flat earth points he was bringing up and uh so i stopped watching it so i haven't really gone deep down the rabbit hole but like everyone else, I'm generally culturally aware of the flat earth thing, but I like this documentary a lot. I mean, like Greg was saying, uh, Mark and Patricia, uh, it's at one point when I thought it was going to become a love story between the two of them, I was like, oh, this is kind of cute. Yeah, I, good I, for I, yeah, I, yeah, I like this. The, but I mean, the scenes with them together, I really feel like I'm watching middle schoolers <laughs> date. And and I, I'm trying not to be disparaging of, about this. I don't know. Please know that I am in my heart <laughs> trying not to look down on these people, but um, you could have we'll easily, how, how minus the do. conspiracy theories, you could easily have been like a Mark Sargent. 
I think, yeah, I mean, I think that we're liable to believe any number of things when we desperately need a sense of community or desperate need of our identity. So, all right, let's go into a recap, guys. Uh, this is going to be a brief recap for this documentary. So, conspiracy enthusiast Mark Sargent is sucked deep into a rabbit hole when he uncovers an old conspiracy theory suggesting that the Earth is actually flat. After months of investigating, Mark uploads a series of videos to YouTube suggesting that the Earth is in fact flat and that Antarctica is actually an ice wall Game of Thrones style. Mark and a fellow flat earther named Patricia Steer create a podcast together to spread the gospel. They flirt with the idea of entering a romantic relationship but ultimately decide to keep it platonic. All their community building efforts are in preparation for the inaugural Flat Earth Conference, which over a thousand people are planning to attend. There are, however, threats to that community as factions bubble up and a particular flat earther named Math Powerland accuses Mark Sargent of being a government agent and casts doubt on the legitimacy of the entire conference. Meanwhile, a group of engineers called the Globebusters are conducting scientific experiments to prove that the world is flat, which includes buying a $20,000 gyroscope that ends up suggesting that the Earth is round. They then prepare to emit a laser across three miles to determine if there is curvature to the Earth. The conference goes on without a hitch, and after a bit of tinkering, they perform the experiment, which, again, only affirms that the Earth is round. End of movie. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. All right, guys, real quick. One thing I want to ask you guys about is uh, the title of the documentary. Earlier, I talked about not disparaging people who believe in conspiracy theories. Is there a double meaning going on here? Is it that behind the curb is like saying that some people say like, oh, he's a little behind the curb. Oh, curve. You keep saying curve. Spread the curve. Curve. I'm sorry. Don't take that for granted. That actually. But yeah, exactly. I I, I totally see that now. Am I overthinking this, or is that so. what you got? I I, I didn't think of it that way, but you are a hundred percent right. Yeah, you are totally. right. I, I also hadn't thought of it, but there's so many more obvious titles that if they chose that one, it it had to be a play on that. Because I just think of you know, of course, in the Dark Knight, the Joker says, "I'm just ahead of the curve," and so now I'm like, "Oh, this is behind the curve." Wait, aren't they saying that these people are kind of actually? I, I wanted to hear what you guys think about the entire method of the documentary. The documentary is constantly undercutting the claims that the flat earthers are making, which, of course, they should if they're making false claims. I guess my question is, do you guys think that they do it without being insulting? Or is it insulting? Should it be insulting? I went into this podcast thinking to myself, like, okay, how do I go into this while not seeming insulting to flat earthers? Just like how at the end of the documentary, the scientists try to say, like, okay, you know, these people work really hard. They have very scientific minds. They're just a little bit misguided. So, yeah, what do you guys think? Is the documentary, does it uh, does it orient itself appropriately? Is it a little bit too mean? What do you think? I think it's it's like a hard, pro- especially when you're making a documentary and you're editing it and putting cuts together. But it's hard when someone says something verifiably false and you have, th- this comes up all the time. Someone, uh, uh, like a politician says something that's a lie what do you do as a newscaster? Do you say that is empirically false? What do you do? And for when you're making a documentary, the easiest way to do that is to just 
oh, they said something and we can't just let people think that's true. We need to give them the truth. But when you just cut to uh, the complete opposite of what they're saying, I could see how it seems a little insulting. But to be honest, like Mark Sargent is sitting there kind of smugly, like at the NASA thing, like, oh, this dumb NASA shit's broken. And then they just zoom in on the start button, which is like a bit, it's a very, like, it's a moment from The Office, the TV show, which is so fucking amazing. But (laughs) what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to sit there and let people believe that he is right? And it was a dumb piece of shit that didn't work. I don't know. Even even the way the documentary ends, it just ends on them conducting the experiment, which seems to prove that the Earth is round. And then it just says that interesting. And then it's a hard cut and a sound cue. The as best say, ending in any documentary I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's almost like it's like a rim shot. They're laughing at him. Yeah, they're, they're laughing at him. I mean, uh, my favorite parts were the shots where they kept showing all the like flat Earth memorabilia, like the table, the flat Earth table. Mm. And, like the flat earth of toys. Some of that stuff is beautiful. Yeah, the the, the domes that that guy makes, they're fucking so? beautiful. That guy's super talented. I, think just, I could I, not stop watching him make those. I, I mean, I do just like a little bit of crafts at our craft center and knowing how much time and talent and skill it takes to put something like that together. It's woodworking and it looked like he was doing um, some kind of like quad, like sort of glass blowing and like just really really a lot of talent and skill and I see I I don't think it was insulting because I think that for example um like there they didn't spend time you know making fun of this guy they took time to really put a lot of effort into showing how talented and skilled this person is and um every time they kind of refuted a claim. I mean, there were a few times like with the start button at the at the NASA Space Center where it was snarky. I mean, they definitely had some snarky moments, but um, I feel like either they just found really good astrophysicists and psychiatrists or they kind of coached them ahead of time to be respectful. But whenever they would cut to um, one of the, the scientists uh, or psychologists who was dis- who were disputing the flat earth claims, I felt like they were always pretty respectful. Um, I mean, there was the one astronaut who was like, I can't believe I'm discussing this. But no one was calling them crazy or stupid or anything like that. And that would be so easy to do, I guess. And they didn't. And I I thought that it was pretty respectfully done. Oh, you got to see that behind the scenes footage. <laughs> it's on Hulu and it's great. Oh, I'm sure they're behind they're, the scenes of this documentary. No, I'm just I'm just joking. Oh, I, I, oh, but oh. you know these guys are like calling them nimrods and dumbasses. Obviously, well, what else are you oh. supposed to do? I mean, if you're an astrophysicist, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just thought like comparing this movie to the Fry Fest uh, movie documentary, where the tone of it was like, "Hey, we're going to show you guys an ambitious person," but also. These people are bad people, and they deserve to go to jail. I think in this movie, they also were trying to, like, it, it felt a little Curb Your Enthusiasm in it. You know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, da, da, yeah. You know? like a rim shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a rim shot at the end. It, yeah. Can, can like someone cut the end some... with that theme song? <laughs> what? Can we not use that? I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying He's saying that there should be a meme where someone actually uses the Curb Your Enthusiasm music at the end. <laughs> yeah, whoever whoever's on this live stream, do this right now. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so another thing that I found pretty interesting about the documentary 
is how, and I don't know, and I think the documentary may have been consciously constructed like this, but all throughout the documentary, Mark specifically is always talking using media as a lens through which to understand either the Flat Earth movement or, you know, he'll talk about the Truman Show. The Truman Show is basically what's happening. He talks about we're living in a sound stage. He talks about how a TSA guy came up to it came up to him and said, you're Mark Sargent. That's my name, too. Like it's in Fight Club. He uses Life of Brian as an example for how Flat Earth fragmented. There are scenes where Patricia and Mark are watching movies. He mentions that if you throw the Inception soundtrack on anything, it'll make it sound way better. Which is true. He we do it all the time. Reference, yeah, he, <laughs> he references a, a line from Spectre, the James Bond film. Uh, he says, the thing you should know about us is that we have people everywhere. I mean, the whole ice wall is a Game of Thrones reference. I mean, you're I you're making it seem, Jared, like he's this guy is Bizarro Wisecrack. He's Bizarro Jared. He is a mirror image of what your <laughs> life could be. <laughs> right. He's the he's the upside down to me. I don't know. See, I was thinking it more of an extension of our kayfabe video where we talked about how there's kind of this new dogma of truth, and that is that if it's true, or it's it's true if it's entertaining, and I feel like it, it, they even call Neil deGrasse Tyson he who shall not be named. And I think that in the conclusion of the documentary, they do a really interesting thing where they kind of contextualize this all as if these are people who are living their own Disney movie. The physicist says, it feels great to be the underdog protagonist. Everything you do is justified. When people mock you, that's because they're evil. When people try to prove you wrong, you quickly say, there you go, there's the evil, and no one is Ursula in their own story. So the two things that are interesting here is, one, I think that if the documentary did that on purpose, you know, curated clips from their time with Mark Sargent to show him when he is talking about media or talking about his efforts through the lens of media and then kind of tying it all together with contextualizing what Flat Earth represents through this kind of media narrative that they all tell themselves. And also just, I don't know, is there something about being uh, more likely to buy into this grand disillusionment narrative when the primary means of cultural consumption that you do is movies and TV where everything is already so fantastic and so spectacle-driven? Well, I think it makes perfect sense, um, partially because, uh, what's the guy's fake name? Math Powerland? I don't remember what his real name yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, That's um, right. Yeah, where he talks about how um, Warner Brothers are behind <laughs> the construction of the sound stages and, um, you know, the, the you know, fake moon landing video and whatnot. Uh, I was surprised they didn't talk more about the fake moon landing. But, um, yeah, the fake moon landing and things like that. Uh, there's very much a belief that Hollywood is in on this and has to be in on this because it's the resources of Hollywood that allow the government and secret societies and NASA, whoever else you believe is involved in this, to actually get um, the believable output that continues this, you know, dominant false belief in uh, around Earth. And so if media and Hollywood is a really critical conspirator in this conspiracy theory it absolutely makes sense that a lot of the conspiracy theory itself would be framed in terms of that kind of media do you do you think mark Sargent's use of the monty python sketch was weird because it's like people making dumb theories about dumb like oh it's a shoe he wants us to worship shoes was that weird for anyone that he was using that metaphor what's weird about it 
Well, it's just dumb people making dumb theories based off of like Jesus losing a shoe or something. He's comparing it to the fragmentation of flat earth, but you could also just say it's about how people make <laughs> flat dumb... earthers in general. Yeah. Just flat earth in general. Oh, that, no, that didn't cross my mind. That is funny though. It is interesting how he, at, towards the end of the documentary, it seems the documentarian actually does get him to admit that, look, even if the earth was round, you wouldn't leave it behind. There are ulterior motives that are giving you incentive right. to stay within flat earth and to continue fostering this community and stuff like that. And I, I think that's an interesting problem kind of for everyone. I think people who in the middle of their life switch political affiliations, that's a hard thing to do. Or if you're in a blue state or a red state and you flip the other way, I think it can often be socially isolating. Uh, leaving Scientology. Leaving. Yeah. I mean, some, some of them are worse or than Mormonism. others. Like, uh, yeah. Leaving Scientology. Um, it's just like a hard shitty thing. And also just in general, like people's opinions and belief systems happen to just be, where they grew up from and the people they're around. And uh, obviously people aren't born flat earthers, but it, it, it's kind of like they're sucked into that. So they can't escape it. Yeah. It's, it's all your friends. It's your whole social circle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So guys, we have two philosophers here. We have Alec and Claire. Let's talk about epistemology. <laughs> Whatever. Let's talk about epistemology. So this epistemology is a study of how we come to know things. And there are a couple parts in the documentary that kind of brush up against this. So there are some quotes from the Flat Earthers in the documentary. So, for example, Mark says, The reason why we're winning versus science against science is science just throws math at us. Whereas we go, hey, by the way, that's Seattle. You can see it right now with your camera. That's it. A picture says a thousand words. And then later, Patricia says, you don't need complicated math formulas to figure out where you live, but the powers that should have told us, trust us, believe us, and we have. I did. So when you question things like math, it can seem a little bit absurd. But epistemology is basically the study of, you know, what are the means by which we come to know things? And I think that Flat Earth is interesting in that it makes us if you know if we want to take it seriously for a second it makes us question what exactly how exactly do we define those means that give us what we all consider truth yeah that that quote really struck me because one of the big uh epistemology camps is empiricism and there was this kind of debate that maybe claire knows a little bit more because she's an actual philosopher but uh empiricism is the idea that you gain evidence or you learn things and you know things because they're observable by the senses, sight, smell, whatever. Um, but there is this kind of counter movement and there's people who combine them, obviously, uh, of rationalism, which is to say, no, our senses are fallible. We can missee things. We can mishear things, et cetera, et cetera. Rationality, on the other hand, things like logic and like the formal rules of logic and, you know, figuring out math and using mathematical proofs to discover things. That's the other camp. Now, I'm not saying uh, Patricia would fall into a proper empiricist kind of category because I think uh, there are experiments you could do based on your physical senses that prove the earth is round. Uh, but it is interesting. And I also, uh, well, sorry, Claire, do you have anything to add to that before I ramble on? No, you're doing awesome. Um, but it's not even just the, the empiricism proper, but 
I the script I, I I'm working on right now, and it's hard for me because at one on the one hand I want to like oh yeah slam dunk the flat earther. On the other hand, I think it speaks to a larger problem in how we teach science, where essentially in the philosophy of science, which I think is a little bit different than empiricism, but essentially it's how does philosophy of science is how does science get done? How do we know science is real science? How do we know it's good science? How do we know the things we learn through this uh, through science are accurate? Uh, can predict things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's a lot of interesting debates there, and there's a lot of interesting philosophers, and it's not really taught anywhere. In fact, I was just talking to the head of a science department at my alma mater, who's like, oh yeah, we used to teach that a couple years ago, and now we don't, and it's terrible because you have all these science majors. Yeah, they understand biology, chemistry. Uh, they understand maybe how to design an experiment uh, and you know calculate your, what's that called, your, your confidence uh, interval. But when it comes to the philosophy of science, it's questions like, for instance, there is a big school called verificationism that said we can only trust things as true if we can verify them. Like if I were to say Jared is a redhead, uh, I can look at his hair and see it's red. Therefore, Jared is a redhead. But there was this sort of problem where it's like, oh, well, how do we verify universal things? Like if you were to say all ducks are white, well, you can never truly verify that because you can't see all the ducks in the world. In fact, there's black ducks in Australia. So this other guy came along and this other school came along called falsificationism uh, where they say, well, good science is where you posit a theory and you try as hard as you can to falsify it. Uh, you run it against all these tests trying to pr prove the inverse to try to prove that it is something else. So in the case of all ducks are white, you try really hard to find that black duck and that black swan. Sorry if I keep saying ducks. You try really hard to find that black swan and... If you can't, you can have like confidence that's pretty true, but also be always on the horizon. And that's, I think what a lot of science operates under right now is to say, listen, we think quantum theory is correct or, or Einstein's relativity. Uh, and we try to falsify it by observing things and stuff like that. And maybe something will come along that does falsify it. But until then, we're going to keep operating that. Now, there's other people who talk about paradigm shifts and I could go on and on and there's uh, an anarchist sort of philosophy of science guy I'm going to pronounce his name wrong but it's like Feyerabend who just says uh, it's Feyerabend yeah. we talked about him in our uh, Full Metal Alchemist video yeah he's kind of like scientists do whatever like uh, if you applied for instance uh, falsification or falsifiability to I think Galileo and some of these classical scientists they would have never come across that because they're working in imperfect worldviews uh, they are designing telescopes that work, but they don't fully understand why they work. So it's kind of practical. It's this kind of combination of things. And I think the fact that schools don't teach this, I mean, if you understand what makes good science and when there's a scientific consensus on something, why that is, or even if flat earthers knew like, oh, I believe in flat earth, I should set forth a, a hypothesis and try to falsify that. I think a lot of this goes away or becomes a lot less lucrative, uh, not lucrative, a lot less appealing to, to some people because Right now, it's the general response, whether it's uh, from, you know, va about vaccines or flat earth or climate science or whatever, for the, the scientist on TV, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, be like, these people are stupid. They don't know shit. Like, listen to scientists. But that's not how science works. Uh, and just understanding that, like, these are the methods that these consensuses came together. And yes, you should ask a lot of questions, but also you should do it. You should try to do it in one of these ways. Uh, and sort of engage in that conversation. I think that's a much better way to look at this. So a couple times in the documentary, there were people saying things like uh, science 
or scientists are the priests of a new religion. And uh, later they say that there are no scientists in Flat Earth. They're not allowed to be because once you get to a certain level of education, the education system more or less owns you. You're not allowed to do or think certain things. And so I'm curious when you speak about your alma mater saying it's a real shame that they don't teach the philosophy of science anymore. Do you think he meant that in taking that out, it makes science education seem dogmatic in a way? It's not necessarily dogmatic, but I think, you know, one of the things the science program, uh, I went to the new school, that's really important, is sort of understanding the dogma of science, understanding like uh, there's lots of people with philosophy science talk about the sociological components, how uh, scientist bias can come into play. Now, that's not to say that it's all fake news or whatever, uh, but I think it's just being able to ask better questions about what are what are the biases that come with it? Or what are even like, what are the shortcomings of uh, like falsification? What are the shortcomings uh, of, of these other methods? So you can just be a better scientist and ask better questions um, and, and just do better science, I think is what she was trying to say about, it's a shame that we're not teaching this anymore. Interesting. So uh, question, are they not teaching any philosophy of science or are they just not teaching Karl Popper-esque theories of falsification? Just, no, no. They, they used to have a class or it was a module in a class that went over the different models. It's not just Karl Popper. Uh, obviously, it's all these people. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge science person. I'm not saying like, yeah, let's all like worship Karl Popper. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that's a terrible idea. But even just to, to read all those people in a syllabus and, you know, figure out what the, the sort of strengths and weaknesses of these models are. So so, so to answer your question, Claire, it's that. Uh, yeah, they're just not learning any of it. Would there be any would there be any flat earthers if there wasn't social media? Like if there wasn't YouTube, yes. if there was certainly wouldn't Twitter, be as many. Well, I, I mean, I'm hard to think it would be a group at all if they couldn't group up and if they couldn't get like stardom or or fame within their group uh, by posting a video or by posting their ideas about it. I, I mean, I look at I look at Flat Earther as really like what you said in the beginning, just guys really trying to have a club and, you know, date Mm -hmm. And really, just trying to get some type of recognition uh, within within a group because they can't couldn't find that in society as it is already. You know, these guys aren't on a dodgeball team. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah, other- no, totally. It makes. I mean, that's kind of what the ultimate conclusion of the documentary is, and that definitely makes sense. Yeah. So, Claire, I want, I want to hear, as a philosopher and as an educator, I want to hear your thoughts on not only what Alec was saying, but those quotes that I had read earlier seem to be brushing up against this thing that is not only present in Flat Earth, but a lot of different so-called uh, conspiracy theories or disillusionment communities or something like that. You know, I used to believe A, but now I know the truth. Yeah. And they all have this overlap of saying that, you know, these other people are dogmatic, they've been indoctrinated with a certain set of principles, and they can't elevate themselves above, they can't see how they've been blindfolded. And as an educator, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on that? And what can we do to combat the suggestion that all education is indoctrination? Because like, even my dad kind of believes that. (laughs) I don't know what to do to convince him otherwise. Yeah. Um, so the, the broader question of 
what we can do to combat the the pretty prevalent idea that you know when people go to college they're getting indoctrinated with you know indoctrinated with um, everything from liberal ideas to um, you know a belief in globes I mean that's more indoctrination indoctrination on the kindergarten level but you know, yeah the idea that that education indoctrinates um, how to actually combat that I think they touched on on that a little bit in um in the documentary when uh there was an excellent speaker i don't recall his name at i think it was a conference of scientists toward the end and he said that it's a real kind of tragedy that the flat earthers um, who have deeply investigative minds are clearly intellectually curious have been failed by our education system such that they have diverted these talents that they have into something that is not as you know I'm not sure whether productive is the right word but it could be diverted into something better. Um, and he, he mentioned that one of the problems is that there is not an emphasis in education on critical thinking quite the way that there used to be. And I'm not, I don't really know much about like the history of, of curricula. So I'm not sure, um, how critical thinking has been historically taught in the past in, uh, like K through 12 education, but it's definitely true that when you make education, um, really focused on ideas of logic and critical reasoning that people who experience that education come out of it feeling less indoctrinated because when you're teaching them the building blocks of how to question and um, how to take an idea and um, kind of pull it apart and assess it for yourself um, and assess the reliability of institutions and Sorry, a bug just flew up my nose. To assess the reliability of institutions and things like the scientific method, when you're being taught critical thinking, I think that really combats the idea that education is indoctrination. Uh, so I wish they were teaching critical thinking classes in elementary schools, in middle schools, in high schools, in college, so especially um, in in like middle school when you're really starting to learn um, the difference between questioning things for yourself and just taking things as they are. And so I, I teach crit- a critical thinking class and I've taught logic um, – and people often come out of that class it with uh, just from what I get from course evaluations and such with this feeling that they are personally empowered to question the world and question their beliefs in a way that is rational, that makes sense, that isn't filled with paranoia, but is um, you know sound and valid and can be you know, written out in standard form. And um, I think that that, that that kind of empowerment fights against the claims of dogma more than anything that people could just say in response to that. Interesting. But there was a second part of the question about um, some of the quotes that you mentioned earlier. And uh, I, I was wondering if you could repeat those quotes because I, I do have a lot I want to say on. Um, yeah. So and I, and I want to hear more about your journey specifically, having met this bus driver and then doing your own research into flat earth, especially as a philosopher. Uh, so the I mean, I, I wrote I read some quotes about 
how people are saying basically that we don't need math because you can look directly in front of you. And then there were also quotes about people basically saying that no scientists are allowed to be in flat earth because if you're a scientist, you've been indoctrinated. Yeah, uh, the the scientists being indoctrinated um, and the uh, the idea that – sorry, what was the first quote again? Well, the first one was about how Martin or Mark Sargent is basically casting doubt on the validity of math. He says, oh, yeah. I don't need yeah. math because Seattle's right in front of me. I can see it. Yeah. And then the second one was about basically – if you've been educated in astrophysics, well, then you've been indoctrinated and led to believe something that is obviously false. So um, I want to talk about a philosopher named Brian Keeley, and he has this 1999 article called Of Conspiracy Theories. Uh, and I think that just kind of running through some of his ideas pretty quickly um, will provide a lot of insight into both of those questions and into some of the other things that were brought up in the documentary. Um, so... Is it all right if I just kind of Please do go a, ahead. a quick rundown of this article? Okay, so um, so Keeley is really interested in the idea specifically of unwarranted conspiracy theories. He says that there is uh, among conspiracy theories there are conspiracy theories that are um, that are warranted, uh, and there are conspiracy theories that are unwarranted. Is unwarranted um, like uh, lizards live under the sur- uh, Earth's surface? Well, the kind of markers of an unwarranted conspiracy theory, although these aren't um, sufficient conditions to say that it's uh, unwarranted because they would also apply to something like Watergate or the um, Iran-Contra affair. Uh, but some some kind of like check marks for an unwarranted conspiracy theory are that they run counter to official or obvious accounts of an event. Um, well, Actually, maybe I should just start with giving his definition of a conspiracy theory. It's a proposed explanation of some historical event or events, um, but I think that also applies to um, things in the present, like the flat earth. I don't think that it has to necessarily be historical. But historical event or events in terms of the significant causal agency of a relatively small group of persons, the conspirators, acting in secret. So it's a small group of people um, acting in secret uh, to cause some kind of event that we know of as having happened differently and it it offers explanatory power for that so that's a conspiracy theory some conspiracy theories are true like like watergate um and some are not an unwarranted conspiracy theory runs counter to official or obvious accounts of what happened, um, typically seeks to tie together seemingly unrelated events um, or ideas. And this is really important for Flat Earth because a a few times in this documentary, it was mentioned, uh, people mentioned things like vaccines, public education. um, For for some reason, and this isn't actually something I'd heard before, people were bringing in um, like gender theory and the idea of being transgender as somehow being involved with chemtrails and GMOs. Um, But it, it ties together uh, an unwarranted conspiracy theory ties together all of these different seemingly unrelated things like GMOs and chemtrails and vaccines and a flat earth. Um, and the true intentions behind the conspiracy are invariably nefarious. So someone is trying to fool us for a bad or malicious or 
you know, nefarious reason. Um, the truth about the earth being flat is a well-guarded secret. So that guy, math powerhouse, um, saying that, <laughs> you know, he was told in secret at a NASA party that the earth was flat and that he had to keep it a secret. It's a very well-guarded secret. Um, and that the chief tool is the, the idea of errant data. So errant data are, um, things that either are unaccounted for in the official story of how something works or how an event happened. Um, so I don't know, something like flight patterns. Um, it seems like it's not actually the case that flight patterns are, are happening in the way that certain flat earthers claim. But even if, say, it were the case that no planes flew across this particular path and that you know, could be used to justify partially an idea about the earth being flat. That would be something called errant data, um, where it's unaccounted for by the story that we know about our global earth and the way that planes work. Um, Wait, can I, I just, to clarify, is this like the equivalent? How, do you know the phrase jacking off? J-A-Q-I-N-G? I do not. Jacking off is, uh, J-A-Q is just asking questions. It's like, why doesn't, why don't the astronauts turn their cameras around? <laughs> okay, yeah. Actually, yeah, that, that fits in really well. Um, so errant data is either contradictory data that goes against the official story or data that just isn't accounted for. So something like that. Why don't the astronauts turn their cameras around? I, I'm not actually familiar with that specific question that I can recall. But um, yeah, quite little questions like that um, are are just unaccounted for data, and this is really important to Keeley's theory, which I'll, I'll get back to in a uh, in a second. So. Um, all of those things that I just mentioned, some warranted conspiracy theories um, do meet those criteria, but in general, those are, are kind of the um, some of the markers for unwarranted conspiracy theories. And Keeley is interested in showing why unwarranted conspiracy theories are popular and why they shouldn't be believed. And both of these are really important for Flat Earth. So in terms of why they're so popular... Um, Jared, you mentioned at the beginning trying to approach this from the perspective of not from how can people believe this, but trying to have empathy and trying to genuinely understand how beliefs like this um, come to be in individuals and get socially transmitted. If, if I am understanding correctly, I think that was the idea that we should be maybe more empathetic rather than just like, oh, these people, how can they believe something like that? Um, yeah. So... The reason that unwarranted conspiracy theories, whether it's um, trutherism or flat earth or, um, you know, vaccines cause autism, um, and ultimately a lot of these get tied together, as we saw from people mentioning in this documentary, um, they're popular because they have huge explanatory reach beyond what any official account could have. So because of all of that errant data, things that are unaccounted for, um, things where I guess you're, you're jacking off, just asking questions, little questions that aren't answered, things that appear to go against the official story. Um, once you have a conspiracy theory, you have a, a massive amount of explanatory reach to give a reason for why all of these tiny little pieces of um, 
of errant data actually fit together. So that is really, really powerful and compelling to have to be able to explain something much more broadly and much more thoroughly than any kind of official account could give. Um, so okay so another reason conspiracy theories um especially unwarranted conspiracy theories are popular um is they're one of they're one of the only kinds of theories where evidence against them is evidence for them and jared this is something that you also brought up and something that was brought up in the documentary where um anytime that there is massive evidence that you know the earth is round um, rather than that actually being evidence against the conspiracy theory the people who believe the conspiracy theory take that and say wow they are trying really really hard to prove us wrong this is even more evidence that they have something to hide um, and this goes back into the massive explanatory reach that even evidence against it is evidence for it that broadens its its ability to explain the entire world and the way that the world works even more um so the problems with unwarranted conspiracy theories uh or at least some of them are that they require um, increasing degrees of skepticism since they can't get positive evidence towards a thing so we saw people you know try a couple different experiments to get evidence that the earth isn't flat and interestingly to me and this might be a separate question they kept saying oh once we get the scientific evidence it's game over it's game over um but and then they get uh, confronted with the scientific evidence against them yeah yeah but it's not game over because anything that they say that would be countered with scientific evidence against it would be even more proof for them that they actually are right because why would they try so hard it's, it's kind of this double bind if they do try hard to explain why they being the scientific community try hard to explain why flat earth isn't a legitimate theory then they are you know trying too hard and showing that they have something to hide if they don't engage with it then it's because they actually um you know can't can't disprove it and so aren't engaging and that's something that mark Sargent said okay um the, yeah yeah so that, that kind of yeah the, that kind of speaks to the end of the documentary is that you see their experiment failed or at least their experiment pointed to a round earth and then during the credit sequence we see how that only encouraged more and more flat earthers to come forward with how the experiment was flawed and yeah only seemed to make them more motivated than ever the, the, this is very See, I actually really love this part of it because it speaks to another uh, kind of issue in science that I came up with. I think it's called the hypothetical deductive model or hypothetical deductive model. If I'm getting the name wrong, but the point is, is that often the, uh, hypotheses exist in systems. So great example is uh, Newton's physics. You have how gravity works, mass, all this shit. Uh, and Newton made or people using Newton made predictions about how the solar system should work. And what happened was they're like, whoa, Mer Mercury's orbit's really weird. Nothing about the way it moves is explained by Newton's physics. So what happens, and one of the problems with just like having a hypothesis and testing it, like say having a laser gyroscope, and then when it goes wrong, being it's the heavenly energies, is that you can often tweak the model to account to, to fix the hypothesis. So if your hypothesis that a gyroscope will drift if the Earth is round, if that doesn't happen, you just... You just change the model. You say, oh, there's heavenly energies. But like even among real science, 
this is an issue. What happened when they couldn't explain back in the day Mercury's movement? It's like, oh, well, there must be a, a planet that we can't see. Um, and they had all these other theories or, or maybe someone would tweak the model by adding in other stuff or or make a theory about uh, the way gravity is transmitted or whatever it is. You could always make these small little adjustments to the overall model. Uh, but then, of course, what happened is that Einstein came along and he had his model of how space and time work. And they're like, oh, yeah, this makes way more sense. We don't need to make special rules or theorize about this planet that may or may not exist. Like that just works. But. I think that's one of the, like, even, that's why it's kind of hopeless for, I think, the, I, you can get hopeful when that guy's like, I love the scientific method, I just want to test the flat earth, see what's out there. There's no failed experiment that will just not cause him to rework his model. Yeah, I think it's also telling that while they showed a few different experiments, um, most of the discourse around the flat earth wasn't actually based on scientific experiment maybe for mark Sargent and a couple other people and it is interesting what they chose to highlight and what they chose not to highlight but from my extensive time on flat earth facebook groups um there is definitely a pervasive belief that this is something that given enough time we could scientifically prove but the big interest isn't in scientifically proving it at least for most people Mm. it's in the idea that they're being lied to and that they understand that they're being lied to and maybe this ties back a a little bit to the red pill that you were talking about, Jared. And yeah. so, well, scientifically proving it would be, you know, a cherry on top of the cake. Um, it's not, that's not like the core interest or belief there. Um, and you know, you, this you know what's of, interesting? Oh, go ahead. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, what's interesting about that is all throughout the documentary, I'm waiting for them to say, okay, who's lying to us? Why? And we never really get an answer, but at one point, one of the flat earthers says, you're never going to know who the real controllers are. And it just stops at that. And for me, it's just like, okay, well, it always has to be this large intangible evil. And they almost kind of never really want to come up with a definitive answer as to who it is, because that makes it less powerful. Well, that's what's super bizarre to me about flat earth is, you know, I love to shit on uh, anti-vaxxers and they're probably the worst because they're actually killing people. But uh, there is a tangible motive for pharmaceuticals to make, like, like, I hate pharmaceutical companies. I think they're evil. I think vaccines work. Uh, and I think they want to make as much money off of them as possible, but like there's a tangible motive there, uh, that like anyone can understand that pharmaceutical companies want to make money. There is zero motive to flat earth. The only explanation I have ever heard from a dumb ass Shane Dawson video is that the government wants you to feel insignificant in like an endless cosmos. And that is, yeah, it it's dumb. Also, well, just, that brings up another yeah. thing is that so let's talk about the the guy with the sledgehammers and the ping pong balls again, the guy with the brain coat. Yeah. yeah. It, ah, that guy. it struck me. It struck me as interesting that he seems to be religious because he claims that dinosaurs are a hoax to disprove young Earth theory and that we're not descendants of monkeys. And I'm seeing this bizarre seesawing of narratives of deception in order to maintain control. So you're either rebelling against the narrative of the church controlling and curating information to put forth their agenda through religious narrative. Oh, see, this is where your your Judaism might be hurting. Because for some of these religious people, there's, there's easily a divide of like, I'm religious, but the Catholic church is evil and part of the Illuminati. Like there's like a big break there. Mm. Okay, well, I guess I'm just saying that then we have this 
non-religious because basically like flat earth is i guess a non-religious conspiracy theory because they're just saying that the scientific establishment or nasa is making up lies to discredit in this case i guess religion to maintain control at least that's what the guy with the ping pong balls and the sledgehammers is suggesting because he's saying you know we didn't come from animals and uh well, I, I think he's a no such thing I, as dinosaurs. I think he's in a little. I think there's different camps. You could have like the atheist flat Earth, and then you could have like the religion. Like, uh, I'm not saying all flat Earthers are atheists. No, no, no. I'm no, saying, no. I'm saying there's like a probably a religious portion, and then there's probably like an atheist, and there's probably people in between. But I think it probably melds with the rest of their beliefs accordingly. And I think a good example of this. So you know that experiment the guy performs at the end over the lake. Yeah. That experiment. So there's a guy, a scientist uh, named Alfred Russell Wallace, who he essentially came up with the theory of evolution independently of Darwin at the exact same time. Uh, And like because Darwin, I think, got to the presses a little bit first. He's more famous. But he had a publicized debate with a creationist and he was a creationist for religious reasons. Um, Like at the time, it was just dogmatic religion. Uh, And they performed the experiment and the Alfred uh, Russell Wallace won, of course. And then I think the guy tried to not pay and sue and all this shit. But, but I think there's a camp of flat earthers who are coming from that uh, religion, uh, sorry, religious creationist part. And then my guess is, and Claire, you might know more about this, that there is, I guess everyone else. Yeah. Uh, wasn't the dude, okay. What's the guy that used to work for NASA? He'd su- supposedly. Matt, Matt Powerhouse uh, or something. Powerhouse. Now math Powerland. Mouth, math, Powerland, Powerland, like Powerland. Yeah. Did anybody else hear that story before? Like uh, the whole thing where he's at a NASA party and they tell him uh, that it's all Photoshop and it's all pictures and stuff like that. Have you guys heard that before? I had not. Are you? I've heard. Uh, yeah, I've heard this before. I've actually seen that guy's YouTube channel before. I'd stumbled yeah. upon it before. Like he plays guitar for like hours. <laughs> <laughs> he's I think he's the most interesting person in the whole movie in the whole documentary just the fact how crazy he gets at the end mm-hmm. um I don't know it just it felt it felt like something actually happened to that guy like he he got touched or somebody talked to him I don't I mean I don't necessarily believe the story of him being at NASA and somebody but something had to like trigger him a little bit. You know what I mean? Like just I don't know. To me I, I look at him and especially when he's calling Mark Sargent a CIA operative yeah. or whatever. I wonder if he's just cynically taking advantage of the other flat earthers who are already primed oh, no. to believe conspiracy I don't I don't think theories. it's I think I think he's got a couple screws loose. I know people yeah. like this. The contact, I don't know flat earthers like this, but I know um, like activist groups in, in college, there was always like a kid uh, accusing everyone of being like an informant for the police. Just like paranoia. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, anyone want to guess who on this podcast went to the new school? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk. Let's talk about some fun stuff. So I want to talk again about the Patricia and the Mark love story or well, not quite love story. Wait, did anyone answer Alex's question of why um, people like what the justification is for NASA lying? Oh, 
I've never heard an answer for that. Do you know? Keep us in a box, man. I, I mean, I, I've heard some, some. Let's hear it. Uh, not plausible enough for me to believe them before I say plausible, but more plausible than they just want people to be sheep. Um, so I think the most plausible one I've ever heard or re- read, because I don't watch the YouTube videos, is um, that at first the idea of um the globe was just kind of a mistake and then during the cold war um there was a real political incentive to make other countries believe that we could put icbms up into space and um and so once the uh the kind of missile um or the one once the the space race started the space race of course was intimately connected to um the power issues between the soviet union and the u.s at the time um and then later extended to china and so each of these countries has a vested interest in making the other countries believe that they have access to space and thus have access to um weapons of mass destruction and the ability to to send them that far and so um making everybody believe in a round earth with you know space around it um it perpetuates something that gives a tangible amount of political soft power to the u.s and then other countries governments perpetuating that is so that they in turn can say oh no we also have this ability so i saw it explained um as kind of a relic of the cold war that at this point it would be so um like politically and militaristically dangerous for them to reveal as a uh, a falsehood that they have to keep it going forever Okay. And do you think that that, so at the beginning, Mark Sargent is looking at that bookshelf and he sees that the old dusty book on the shelf was the flat earth theory. Do you think that that's a relic of like, so when we're to believe the initial flat earth theory was that cold war era? Oh, I have no idea. This is just somebody's yeah, Facebook post I saw on the group, oh, okay. um, Flat Earth No Trolls, which I was a part of for, for like a year. Were, were you were you trolling? But we're... That's what I was going to say. Aren't you a troll? Oh, no. They they block you immediately. I was just there to watch. Okay. Anyway, for the Patricia and Mark love story thing, uh, <laughs> I just know there were some cringy moments, man. What does Patricia do? Like, where does she get her money from? Is I don't that know. Is trust fund? Uh, I don't know. A lot of Botox. A lot of Botox. A lot of Botox. <laughs> she seemed to be able to just pick up and move her life to London pretty easily. And then she was thinking about even buying a house where Mark yeah, lives. Yeah. YouTube, so, man. I mean, you all know better oh, than yeah, anyone that, YouTube that like, money. you know, ad revenue yeah. gets you some places. That's oh, true. hell yeah. Um, part of the most cringy part for me was someone was like, you guys are a good couple. Stop playing. And then she says, yep, we're a couple couple of friends you know oh, yeah. <laughs> it really just transported to me hating myself in high school <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah oh, man. when they were going through nasa and you know shouting the earth is flat through the halls it really felt like awkward middle school dates where like every they're each trying to like impress each other by acting out a little bit it was kind of cute. Yeah, late forties cute. Yeah. Does Does Mark live with um, his mom? Right. I could not discern that. Yes, he does. He does. And actually, I I've seen this twice because I had to rewatch it for the podcast. But yeah, it's not. They don't. They don't dwell on it, which I appreciate because nothing casts doubt on a person's <laughs> legitimacy more than being like a fifty year old man who lives with your mom. But I believe because when he goes to see the eclipse. 
his mom like kisses him on the cheek and says, you know, good luck, honey. So obviously he's leaving his home to go see the eclipse. Last thing I want to ask you guys before we wrap it up, we're going a little bit over today. Is Mark Sargent doing a bad thing? What do you think, Greg? Um, Is Flat Earth bad? I mean, I don't... I go both ways with this because I'm like, if people can be convinced of things too easily in a mass group, if millions of people can be convinced of something too easily... Yes, that is a bad thing because bad things can we've seen bad things happen when people get convinced of something too easily. On the other side of it, I'm like, hey man, losers need to have fun too. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sorry. I don't want to But you know, like, yeah, I mean it's harmless, but it's not harmless. You know, like yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm very like I'm yeah, it's it's I'm conflicted with this. I don't yeah. want I, you know, I don't want a lot of people you know, I like. I remember the. I don't want it to get too political, but I remember during the election, and it seems like it was no way Trump was was going to win this. I was going to other cities doing comedy, and it was just seemed no way, you know. And yeah. then it happened, and then it's like, and we were so arrogant, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, everybody was so arrogant about it, and so like, what are you got? Are you serious? Get the fuck out of here! And it happened, and it hit a lot of like very smart educated people in the face you know what i mean and um yeah you know it's interesting you bring that up because i mentioned that i've only seen a couple flat earth videos and one of them was an hour-long conversation with a flat earther and the first question was how did you get into flat earth and that guy even said after the 2016 election when i was going by my day-to-day thinking that it was objective reality that hillary was going to win and then it didn't happen then I started questioning everything. Oh, yeah. And that's something I wish they actually had touched on in this documentary because, and this is just a pure guess on my part, I would imagine that that event probably was, it inspired more people into things like Flat Earth. Yeah. Anyway, Alec, what do you think? Is it a, a good thing, bad thing? I think it's terrible. And like, there's conspiracies that I think are harmless and fun. Uh, like, is the government hiding that aliens exist? You can believe in that and still kind of get everything. But I think the problem with flat earth, and you see this in that one guy with the, the, the brain coach is that once you get accustomed to thinking that like really it's just about finding these sort of entertaining patterns, but also at the same time, it's about distrusting science. And by the way, like I'm huge into criticizing scientists all the time, but at the same, like, you know, like I have respect for the process, once it gets into there, you've got people who will, you know, show up at a pizza place with a gun or people who don't vaccinate their mm. kids and lead to measles outbreaks in Brooklyn and kill people who are immunocompromised. You have and like everything that's gr- that science has done for us um, in health, in technology, that all can easily kind of go away when you have people just espousing these specifically like anti-scientific conspiracy theories and i think that's really bad and dangerous well said what do you think claire so um i think on uh, i guess a charitable approach to um people who truly believe in the flat earth is um it's a kind it, it serves some of the same um 
power as maybe like uh, if we could call it like a secular religion where um, increasingly like, you know, I don't want to bring Nietzsche into this because we're wrapping things up. But in, you know, the 20th and 21st century, um, we live in a world where there is not a pervasive belief in um, an ordered universe where everything fits together and everything makes sense and can be explained. Um, and um, re- religion often provides that. And that's not a good or a bad thing. I don't have anything bad to say about that. But uh, this conspiracy theory is seem like a kind of interesting backdoor into that for non-religious people. It's a way of having a universe where even if you don't fully understand it, everything makes sense. You don't just have a random shooter who decides to assassinate JFK. It's part of something bigger. Everything's part of something bigger. And it can be really scary to believe that we live in the kind of absurd, almost random is the wrong word, but I'll use it anyway, random reality where things happen for no reason and having the comfort of believing that everything happens for a reason I have a hard time judging somebody for wanting that um so that's that's my charitable take of people with most conspiracy theories um including flat earth on the other hand um something I was kind of talking about earlier is that since these conspiracy theories flat earth specifically here require increasing degrees of skepticism in the institutions that are critical for our the foundations of all our beliefs um it has a kind of spiraling downward effect where if you don't trust government information and you don't trust science and you don't trust scientific peer review and you don't trust the media and and each time one of these things goes towards um, disproving this belief system that you're very attached to, it becomes the target of, um, of, of large-scale mistrust, then we end up in a situation where a lot of people believe that education itself is indoctrinating people, where people don't believe in the in scientific findings because the very institution of science can't be trusted, and where people believe that, um, you know, the New York Times is fake news. And I think that that's really damaging for society as a large-scale phenomena. Uh, and so that that part, I think, is really bad for the world. And I don't think that that's just flat earth, but um, I think that flat earth is the thing that if we, I mean, actually, there's a lot perpetuating like the belief in fake news. So I, I won't say that flat earth is the thing that's causing that. But among maybe, I think flat earth is doing a lot to contribute to that, I'll say. It's, it's a product of that and it's contributing to it. It's perpetuating a cycle of mistrust in important public fact-gathering institutions. And I think that's incredibly dangerous. And I think that's contributing to a lot of the problems of today. And that is my thought on that. Yeah, uh, I think that's really well said uh, for all you guys. I think that I was going to kind of come in here and say for my most charitable thing about Flat Earth is that it does seem like I would much rather these people find a community in something like Flat Earth than... There's Magic the Gathering, Come on. Yeah, there's... I I agree. (laughs) I agree. But if you are on the complete outskirts of society and have been completely cast off, I'd much rather you be in Flat Earth than, you know, 
take it out on your old boss or shoot up a school or something crazy like that. You know what I'm saying? If it is the fact, I mean, and the, the documentary kind of paints these pictures that all these people have broken family lives or something like that that has driven them to flat earth. And if that is the case, and granted, I don't know if that is the case. I'm sure there are plenty of flat earthers with good jobs, good stable lives. This documentary had to propose a narrative in order to be a fulfilling documentary. But I guess if they are that desperate as individuals, if they are that disenfranchised, then I'm glad to have any community rather than no community. But having said that, I'm not going to repeat what Alec and Claire said because I think they said it very well, is that it can... Yeah, we don't want to perpetuate that kind of doubt in the systems that kind of keep society moving and kind of keep us from anarchy. So, yeah, I'd have to agree with both of you. All right, guys, we're running way over today, so I'm going to skip the mailbag. However, I saw I got a couple emails and some comments about our Office Space podcast. I had mentioned that I attempted to read a book about the creation of the blogosphere and how I mentioned that it parallels the economics of YouTube. And so people were asking, what's the name of the book? The book is called Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday. So if you guys want to read that book, I promise just replace the word vlog, a blog with YouTube. And it's basically the exact same thing that happened to that industry that's happening to this industry and how widespread disinformation and stuff like that and media manipulation is the key to winning on both platforms. And that's kind of created the ecosystem that we have both in the blog world and in YouTube today. So, guys, uh, we're going to skip the mailbag today, but please send us your comments, thoughts, concerns, whatever, to movies at wisecrack.co or give us a call on our voicemail service. That's 213-534-8807 or 21ElfGut07. I want to thank my guests today, Greg, Claire, and Alec. Thank you guys so much. Next week, we are going to be doing the Theranos documentary that's coming out on HBO this Sunday. Oh, yeah. I believe it's called... What is it called? It's not called Bad, Bad Blood. Bloods. I'm pretty sure it's it is Bad, Bad Blood. Blood. I'm so excited. Okay. It is bad blood. Okay, cool. So we're going to be doing that next weekend or next week. So thank you guys so much for listening. But before we go, where can we find you guys on the internet? Greg. Uh, Greg the Grouch on Twitter, uh, gregcomedy.com. I got a podcast on Wisecrack Network called Black Stage Podcast. It's all about stand-up comedy. Please check it out. And Claire. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Claire Report. And if you're interested in a really awesome Good Place podcast um, done by uh, a few Wisecock writers, but it's not a Wisecock podcast. Um, look up The Burrito. And Alec. On Twitter at WisecrackAlec. Also completely unrelated. Thanks to James Wood for donating. That's the last person I have to shout out. Oh, thank you guys so much for the donations. We're going to keep doing this live stuff. Really appreciate your support. Anyway, until next time, see ya. Peace. Bye. Live from Hollywood, California. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Ryan will be so happy. All right, peace, guys. <laughs>